Good morning and welcome to our service at Brighton Road this morning. Thank you to those of you who are joining us here. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Let me begin with the opening words from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Let's stand and sing together, dear Lord and Father of mankind. And after we've sung this, we'll sit again and have a few moments quiet, just reflecting on the words that we've sung, the words that we've heard, and the presence of God with us. Dear Lord and Father of mankind.
a voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Listen to God's voice speaking his word to you. Wants to come and meet with you this morning and reveal his glory to you. Are you down in the depths? Let God lift you up. Are there barriers in the way? Let God remove them, flatten them, carve his way through them. Has the journey up to this point been on uneven ground? Have you had a bumpy ride? Let God smooth the path ahead of you. And we've had a rough time Ask God to level things off. And if you've lost sight of God, ask him to open your eyes and reveal his glory to you. Lord our God, you are goodness itself. You seek out the lost and you bring us home. You bind up those with broken hearts. You draw us to yourself to share in your life, to be one with you and with each other. Lord, in Jesus, you have opened your heart to us. We open our hearts to your spirit today. Amen. Staying seated, let's sing together. Jesus, be the centre.
Lord, you know that we are just grass, all our beauty is like the flower of the field. We wither and we fade when the breath of the Lord blows upon us. We are nothing but grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, you have redeemed us. This life is not all there is in your good purposes. You gave your son for us to redeem us from pointlessness and from death and to bring us into life. Thank you for the life and the hope you've given us in him. Amen. Stand and sing love before the dawn of time.
get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will gather his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the good shepherd of the sheep. You call us by name. We hear your voice and follow you. You laid down your life for us. You've promised that nothing can snatch us out of your hand. You give us eternal life. You came to seek the lost and gather us into your fold. Have compassion on us. Some of us have wandered a long way from you. Thank you that you never give up looking for us, seeking us, bringing us home rejoicing. Thank you for the joy you have in the one sheep who is recovered. Each of us means that much to you. Lord, some of us are hungry. Would you lead us into green pastures? Some of us are thirsty. Would you lead us beside still waters? And for those of us who are weary, would you restore our soul? Lord, bind up those who are broken in heart. Strengthen those who are weak. When we reach out to you, may we find that we can rely on your care. When we feel abandoned and God-forsaken, may we find comfort in your love. When we don't know which way to turn, would you lead us along paths of righteousness for your name's sake? Lord, we ask this for ourselves. We ask this for your church. In your mercy, we ask this for our nation. Be our shepherd. Take us by the hand and lead us forward until our journey's end. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
stand and sing the Lord's My Shepherd. Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke those words of the Holy Spirit. So we've got a responsive reading on the screen. I'd invite you to Join together. Um, actually, can you say the words in white, in capitals, come Holy Spirit, that's the response. And I'll say the words in yellow, and uh, we'll do it that way around. So we say together, come Holy Spirit. Breath of God, breath of life, breath of deepest yearning, come 
Holy Spirit. Comforter, disturber, interpreter, enthuser, come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Friend, Lamplighter, Revealer of Truth, Midwife of Change, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Elizabeth is going to bring us a reading. Reading's taken from Matthew chapter 3, um, and this is uh, John speaking as people come to be baptised by him in the River Jordan. I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptised by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Amen. God gives his Spirit to us generously and without measure. So let's stand and sing together. O thou who camest from above, the pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of mine heart. Let's ask God to make his dwelling within us as we stand and sing this hymn.
You know, before John the Baptist turned up and upset the apple cart, everyone in Israel knew where they stood. There was a clear religious distinction between the good people and the bad people. Most people looked up to the religious leaders and people looked down on disreputable people like tax collectors and prostitutes. Everyone knew what everybody else's place was. And then John came, preaching a baptism of repentance, throwing the door open wide for anyone and everyone to get right with God, simply by confessing their sins, turning back to God, and getting baptised in the Jordan River. And loads of people came from all over the place, and the tax collectors and prostitutes were at the front of the queue, getting right with God by being baptised with John. But when he saw the religious leaders coming to the bank of the river, he exploded at them. He called them a brood of vipers, cut the ground from under their feet, demolishing their religious heritage. They prided themselves on being children of Abraham. John said God could make children of Abraham out of these stones if he wanted to. This is the time for judgment, he said. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And when he looked at their lives, he didn't see them producing the kind of fruit that should result from a true and a sincere repentance. Everything was thrown into the mixing pot. Nothing was the same. And he warned them that there was someone coming up behind him who was even greater than he was. I baptise you with water, said John. The one coming after me, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And there'll be a freshing, a winnowing, a sifting. Back in the days before combine harvesters, after wheat was harvested, it had to be threshed and winnowed. Both quite intensive and violent processes. Threshing involved beating the husks of wheat to loosen the grain inside and then winnowing involved using a pitchfork to throw the whole husk into the air. The useless chaff would be blown away by the wind, swept up and burned. The valuable, nutritious wheat grain was heavy and this would fall back to the ground to be gathered into barns and safely stored. There's a bit of debate about precisely how John envisaged the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit that he said Jesus would bring. It seems pretty clear that the baptism of fire would burn up the chaff, and that's a picture of God's judgment on those who don't make the grade. But is the baptism of the Holy Spirit also a baptism of fire? Charles Wesley thought so in the hymn we've just sung. Kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart, and there let it to thy glory burn. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit burning on the altar of our heart as an offering of praise and worship and dedication to God. Other people think of the Holy Spirit as a fire purifying, refining God's people, burning away their sins. Or should we be guided more by the way that when Jesus is baptised, the Holy Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove, a symbol of peace? In which case, perhaps, there's one baptism of fire for the wicked, and the baptism of the Spirit is for those who will be saved. And people debate about that and they'll continue to do so. Whatever John the Baptist, that hellfire preacher may have meant, I suspect that that second option is how Matthew interpreted the words. Fire of judgment for the wicked, the Holy Spirit of peace on those who respond. 
But the key thing is that the mighty one who would follow in John's footsteps, who we know to be Jesus, would separate the righteous from the wicked. A clear distinction would be drawn with very different outcomes for each group. And the distinction would not be drawn along traditional religious lines. Jesus warned the religious leaders that the tax collectors and sinners were getting into the kingdom of heaven first because they were the ones who turned back to God when John came with his baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, where the religious leaders had turned their noses up at him. So it wasn't as if the goalposts had just been moved. Rather, John had taken them down altogether. Those who thought they were okay, those who thought they were on the inside, suddenly found themselves nowhere, where those who thought they stood no chance, they suddenly found themselves accepted and welcomed into God's kingdom. The lines had been redrawn and everything was completely different. If I'm honest, in my heart of hearts, I'm not much into drawing lines or boundaries. I'm far more happy and comfortable with the idea that God welcomes and includes absolutely everyone. I suspect some of you prefer that vision of God as well. But unless John the Baptist was badly mistaken, I'm not convinced he was, there will come a day when the door to God's kingdom will be shut with some people on the outside. So there can be no room for complacency when it comes to knowing just where you stand in relation to God. The images of freshing and winnowing indicate that God's judgment will sift us all and there will be people who don't make it. So we need to take this message seriously. The call to get right with God. As we look back over the past 18 months, we may have found ourselves sifted by the trials and tribulations of COVID. Our faith has been tested. For some of us, we've come through. For others of us, perhaps, our faith has been found wanting. Those of you here this morning, please don't make the mistake of supposing you can look around and thinking, we're the ones who are all right. It's the people we can't see. They're the ones who are in trouble. Because there are lots of people watching online for very good reasons, with a strong and intact faith and a firm discipleship, are watching this service at home. But you, if you look back over the past two years and you begin to realise that God has become a subject of indifference to you, really? Then this is a wake-up call. A jolt. We need to be concerned. Because God is calling you to turn back to him and let him put things right again. The door at the moment is wide open and everybody is welcome. This is the time to heed God's call to turn back to God and recommit your life to him. Maybe even this is the time to climb down off of the fence and just say, God, I'm giving you my life lock, stock and barrel to get baptised as Jesus was baptised and allow him to baptise you with his Holy Spirit. What's that mean exactly? Baptism in the Spirit, different denominations have different views of it. Those who came to the Jordan to get baptised by John were probably plunged into the river as a sign that their sins had been washed away. Those who get baptised in fire will be plunged into the furnace. John seems to relish the idea of an unquenchable fire. 
but I suspect the image is probably more one of complete destruction rather than perpetual torment in the flames. But whichever the case, it's, it's a fate best avoided. Baptism in the Spirit is by far the preferable alternative. But what does that mean? Plunged into water we can understand. That's okay if it's not too cold. Plunged into flames we can understand. We don't want to go there. Baptism in the Spirit, what does that look like, feel like? Whether you're thinking of baptism in water, fire or spirit, the physical imagery of immersion symbolises the effect it has on our soul. So baptism in water symbolises spiritual cleansing. We're made clean on the inside. Baptism in fire symbolises the destruction of who we are. Baptism in the spirit, that brings renewal. God gives us a new heart. He changes us from the inside. Bishop Nazir Ali said that's part of the core of Christianity. That's one of the reasons why he's gone over to the Catholic Church. He felt that the Anglicans had lost sight of that. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But that was his feeling. This, is, this inner change is the core of what Christianity is about. And what does that feel like, the new heart? It varies from person to person, but it may be helpful to think of your life being flooded with the fruit of the Spirit. God filling your heart with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. What fills your heart today? Anger? Guilt? Fear? Condemnation? Blame? Hatred? Unforgiveness? Shame? Insecurity? Pride? Let God tip all of this out. Cleanse you. And let him fill you instead with his presence, his holiness, his grace, his power, his life. Jesus gets rid of the rubbish that fills our hearts. And in filling us with the Spirit, he fills us with his goodness. To overflowing, actually, but that would make a mess on the floor. what Jesus does. On the cross he died to take all of the rubbish out of our hearts and as risen Lord he baptises us with his spirit so that we can be born again as better versions of ourselves because God rules in our hearts and his kingdom is one of righteousness. And Jesus is the one who affects this transformation within us who brings us across the threshold from death into life from chaos into order, from destruction into peace, from alienation into love, from denial into acceptance. He's the one who saves us and the only one who can save us from the damage we've suffered at the hands of other people and the damage we have inflicted on others ourselves. It's because Jesus alone can save us in that kind of way that ultimately is our response to him which decides our eternal fate. And where we have gone wrong, 
He is the one who can change us by entering our lives as Lord and Saviour by his Spirit and putting us right. Without Jesus, we are lost. And you might kick against that idea a little bit. After all, you might want to say, I'm, I'm a good person, I go to church, don't I? But don't forget, John the Baptist removed all those goalposts and carried them off the pitch. God is not interested in how religious you are. There's good religion and bad religion, and bad religion is really, really bad. It's highly toxic. But if you look at Jesus, you just see goodness. 100% unalloyed goodness. So when we come back to John the Baptist and we see Jesus, the only 100% good man in the world, waiting in line to get baptised with the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes, what's he doing there? John is confused. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. If anything, Jesus should be baptising him, not the other way round. But Jesus persuades him that this is the right thing to do. Because for Jesus to get baptised with sinners was the first step towards the cross where he would lay down his life for sinners. Giving his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus got baptised, he identified with us in the messiness of our lives. And when we get baptised, we identify with him. And that's why whenever anyone gets baptised, God in heaven declares to anyone who will listen... This, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I am so pleased with them. Forget trying to please God all the time. You want to know that God is pleased with you. Simply welcome Jesus into your life. It's all it takes. And you can do that today. Into my heart into my heart into my heart Lord Jesus come in today come in to stay come into my heart Lord Jesus Amen let's sing together there is a redeemer Jesus God's own son after the service, there is coffee in the main hall. Feel free to join us there. If you'd like a chat about the sermon, feel free to have a word with me or a Christian whom you know and trust before you leave today. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son.
to share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.